Chromatic player Antonio Serrano joins me for episode 23 of the podcast. Antonio is the current SPA Harmonica Player of the Year, and with good reason. Antonio's father was a great influence on the fledgling harmonica player, and Antonio met Larry Adler at a young age and performed with him for the first time at only 13 years old. Since that time, Antonio has made a big splash on the Spanish music scene, not least when he played with flamenco legend Paco de Lucia, as recorded with many artists and recorded some albums under his own name, including a tribute to the legendary Toots Tielemans, who he has also performed with. A word to my sponsor again, thanks to the Lone Wolf Blues Company, makers of effects pedals, microphones and more, designed for harmonica. Remember, when you want control over your tone, you want Lone Wolf. Hello, Antonio Serrano, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Neil. Thanks very much for joining me today. You live in Madrid normally, don't you? I've lived uh, in Madrid for a long time, and a few months ago, I moved to Altea, a small town in in the east coast of Spain. It's a beautiful place, and uh, all my family lives here, like my mother, my brother, my sister. I lived here for almost 10 years when I was a kid, and it's like uh, our town. Okay, so the, the town you're in now is the town you grew up in and learned to uh, start playing harmonica then? Uh, not, not exactly, because I, I, I was born in Madrid and uh, I started playing when I was very, very young, like five, six years old. So I, I started uh, when I lived in Madrid. When I was 11 was that we moved here. So I already played a little bit when, I was, when we moved here. But I mean, here I, I started to meet musicians. Like, it's a small town. Uh, when, you, when you live in a big city... You just meet the people that, that you have around, you know, or in school or when you go to conservatory. But here, it's a small town and there's a lot of musicians. There's a, a small like music school. They have a band, like a brass band, and everybody, you know, all the kids from town just, they, they play there and they, they have an experience when they're, when they're young. So I, I also played there and uh, I had a like a very natural uh, musical experience in this in this town. Yeah, it happens in, in all the east coast of Spain. There's there's a lot of tradition that everybody should go to the music school and learn a, a wind instrument like a trumpet or clarinet, and they rehearsal once or twice a week. It's a nice thing. I believe your father was uh, very influential in your early playing as well, and uh, he uh, he played harmonica then, did he? Isn't that, that's why he wanted you to pick it up. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he was he was really really passionate for for the harmonica, also for the music. But but I mean, he had a special love for the harmonica. So it was the first instrument that I actually met, you know, and started playing. And uh, he also loved to to teach. I mean, he was a very good teacher. He tried to to make it interesting and and joyful you know, for for us. We were very young. I say us because my my brother and sister also also learned when we were young. And uh, he he tried to make make it interesting and and very exciting, you not know, to to learn music and to learn how to play the harmonica. And even from the beginning, he he tried to to teach us not only how to play the instrument or how to play. Uh, songs, but also to learn simultaneously to read music and uh, write music. He really believed in learning uh, music uh, uh, in a, in a complete way, you know? not not only as a performer 
or just for a hobby, but but try to read to to learn things well. No? Like if you wanna if you wanna play music, try to learn how to read music. And also he he also taught us how to improvise. Although he wasn't a, like a jazz musician himself, he, he he didn't really know much about harmony. But he he liked improvisation, like free improvisation. In the lessons in the classes we had, uh, we practiced improvisation in a free conversational way. Let's say you know, like we kind of gathered on a circle, you know, like the different harmonica players in the class and one had to play something and the other one had to answer him and then the other one had to answer the previous one it was like a a musical conversation let's say you know so i, I was very lucky actually to uh, and, and it was definitely really important the father i had you know to to become a harmonica player a professional musician with the harmonica he taught you in groups was this with your brothers and sisters and other people as well yeah the beginning it was only my sister and me <laughs> In, in in a few weeks' time, like this is when he started teaching. Uh, some other people just started uh, to turn up, and yeah, I remember it was a class. Like, we were maybe ten or twelve. My father was quite special, and he uh, he he really knew how to transmit his passion for the music and, and for the harmonica. Yeah, it sounds like he did a great job. And I believe your father had you playing the tremolo first for what even for a year or two before you picked up the chromatic. That's true. He had a. Yeah, he had a theory about this. <laughs> he, saw, he said that when, when you start, especially if you're a kid and you, and you start on the instrument, you still haven't got like a, a sound of your own. You know, you, you don't really have a, a built sound. The tremolo harmonica gives you the opportunity just by putting some air in it to get a, a nice kind of vibrato, well, tremolo sound. No? Like you don't, you don't have to do anything to get a, a harmonious sound. No? So he, he believed uh, in the, uh, that it was a, a nice instrument to start. And he also said that it was a it was a very tough instrument. You had to really blow very hard to break it. No? <laughs> so it was good for a way, for a beginner, you know. That it was also a cheap instrument. So there were several reasons that took him to to choose that that instrument for for beginning. I don't know. I don't know if uh, I would. Uh, I have the same opinion, but but it was it was interesting actually. Those reasons that he had were reasonable. Yeah. And do you still play a bit of tremolo now? No, not at all, not at all. <laughs> I, I love it. I love the instrument. I I, I remember in, in Bristol, I heard uh, it's the, the most beautiful tremolo playing I've ever heard. Also, the way the Asians play is very, it's very spectacular, you know, like changing from one harmonica to the other. I play classical pieces and stuff. It's, it's interesting. But, but uh, I'm very interested in this idea that um, obviously you've had a, a very good upbringing with your father there about learning when you're young you know we all know that you learn things more quickly when you're young and so get to get to the level where you have you obviously you picked up the harmonica initially around the age of seven yeah so you know what is it do you think about picking up the harmonica so early and maybe what does that mean for if people pick it up later in life you know where they can get so far well, I mean, I'm not a, a neuroscientist, but but I, I I'm very curious about how we learn and about knowledge and that and how how knowledge gets into our brains and what I've what I've read about it is that when we are very young is when we pick up the different languages. There are thousands of languages. You no, know? like the language we speak is one of them, but the music is another language and the language of signs, the lang- language of colors, the language of there are so many languages that we pick up when we are young just by living. 
After a certain age, uh, it's difficult to learn a, a completely new language. There's something in the brain that, for some reason, uh, doesn't doesn't work the same way. When we get older, I don't know, it's not so flexible. Or uh, If you've had an exposure to music when you're very young, I think it's going to be easier for you to play not only the harmonica, but any other instrument. I mean, it's not about the harmonica, I think. I think it's more about understanding the language of music. So the sooner you have an exposure to that language, I think the, the more fluent you're going to be uh, speaking that language or understanding that language. Because uh, some people say, no, I started playing the harmonica when I was 17. Actually, two cinemas, I think, started playing the harmonica pretty late. But that doesn't mean his exposure to music was that late. I mean, he, he started playing the accordion, I think, when he was four years old or five. So he, he had a very, 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 he was exposed to music very, very soon in his life. So th- then when he was 17, he decided to pick up the harmonica. It's not, it's not really when he started playing music. No? And some people even think that they started in music when they were older, but you don't really remember what happened to you when you were two, three, four years old. Maybe you had a grandmother that was singing songs to you all the time, or you had somebody that was playing the radio for you all the time, and you you probably don't remember. So it's difficult sometimes to really know objectively when you were exposed to the music for the first time. No? I think it's more about that, about when, when do you expose yourself to music? No? So you picked up the chromatic after a couple of years, you yeah, playing the tremolo. I started playing classical pieces, tried, well, trying to play classical pieces on the harmonica. So, sorry, is that what turned you to the chromatic then, to, to start playing classical? Yeah, and also, well, uh, to be able to play the slide, you know, there, there were some pieces that I was I was trying to play, not not only classical pieces, but other other songs that that needed some, you know, some some chromatic notes. So I don't know, I was playing the Entertainer, for example, or I was playing Beer Barrel Polka. I needed some chromatic notes, so uh, that's why I started playing the the chromatic harmonica. And also because my reference was my father, and I I, I really enjoyed him uh, seeing him play the chromatic. So so I moved into that. No, actually, my father also played the the blues harp and the diatonic harmonicas, but in a without any bendings, without using bendings, just as a very a clean pure sound you know with with a uh, tongue blocking techniques like to make accompaniments like this he used to play like this like very very uh, very clean I, I didn't know about the the bending and, and the blues and that until i was uh, 13 or 14 i think that i i assisted the, the uh, 1989 world competition in, in in Jersey, uh, I couldn't believe how many different ways <laughs> there were to play the harmonica. No? Yeah, and of course, uh, it might surprise some people to hear that you do play some diatonic. So you play some some pretty decent uh, blues diatonic as well, don't you? Yeah, for for a few years, I I really got into that in my my teens. I I really wanted to to understand how how to play the the blues harmonica. I was I was really impressed by by the expressivity uh, and the yeah the power of of the bendings and 
those vibratos, those wah wahs. I don't know. The, I mean, the diatonic harmonica has has uh, a lot of soul behind. Oh, there's a lot, a lot of things that you can do on it that are so expressive that I really wanted to learn. I, I mean, I'm not really really good at it, but uh, but I, I I can do well. I play my way, you know. I I, I can I understand the instrument. And uh, if I if I practiced more, maybe I, I would play better. But well, for what I need, uh, I I'm okay. <laughs> um, and another thing about your early developments, I just wanted to pick up on is that playing in this group you were uh, you were learning in with your father and your brothers and sisters, you didn't have other instruments, so you learned to start to, to accompany on the chromatic. Is that right? So you started to learn to play chords and octaves and things as part of your playing. Yeah, because we played uh, in the family group, like my brother, my sister, and me. You know, we played uh, in, in bars and, and even on the street. Yeah, it was a bit boring just to play the melody, you know. So, so I started learning how to comp with octaves to make the sound bigger and create a kind of a accordion effect. And the beginning, I I felt dizzy, you know, like really dizzy when I did it because I was using so much air. You know, I <laughs> I played for a few songs and I had to sit down. Well, eventually I got used to it, but. Yeah, but I think that that has kind of shaped your sound quite a lot, isn't it? Because you do use octaves a lot in your playing, and you do use chords, maybe more so than than some other chromatic players. Is that you know think we we picked it up? Yeah, uh, especially the octaves and and the freedom of of the tongue. No, like be able able to do whatever you want with with the tongue. But it wasn't until I I started working on on classical pieces written for the harmonica, like the Villalobos Concerto, that I really started to play like double stops. You know, like two sixths, thirds, fifths, changing the the embouchure. In the, in that time, I was only using octaves and the tongue comping. When I started learning. That's from the Villalobos Concerto. I had to start moving the mouth, you know, open, <laughs> close, open, close. And also when I when I met Larry Adler, he taught me a few things that were really beautiful, like the... So I, I started to practice that, that kind of thing. I, I thought it was really, really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, you mentioned Larry Adler there. So let's get on to Larry now. So... So did you first meet him when you played with him in Paris uh, when you were 13 years old, or had you met him before then? Well, I met him uh, a few months before uh, in the Jersey competition, uh, World Championship, no? uh, the first World Championship in 1987, I think it was. And that's where I met Larry Adler, and, and then he invited me to, to play with him in Paris. Did you have lessons with him? Well, at the beginning, we just kind of rehearsed on the phone for, for, the, for the concerts, that we, we did we did a few concerts my my father wanted me to have take some lessons with him so he came to spain yeah we spent some time together but i don't know there weren't really lessons you know i was playing some some symphonic concerts so i was playing pieces that were arranged for him like romanian rhapsody uh, rhapsody in blue i was playing those pieces so i mean the classes just consisted in in me playing the, the music for him and he just made a few comments no well, I think here you should do this, you should do that. But he didn't really teach me in a in the way other teachers kind of teach. You know, we, we we talked a lot about music. About we didn't talk about much about the harmonica. I remember he told me, "Well, I I don't have much to tell you about the harmonica. I think you have a a very good technique. That's the most important thing at the beginning." And the only thing he used to say was, "Try to look for your own sound." 
to have your own identity. Try not to imitate other people because uh, if you want to be an artist and you want to you want to do something in, in music, you, you, you got to be yourself. And that was the kind of advice he, he used to tell me, you know, more than technical things. I had a very good understanding of the instrument there already, you know, and I think he could feel that. I mean, anything I, I, I heard, I could play, more or less. I, I, didn't, I didn't need really, like, a, a lot of technical classes. The only thing I felt I needed to practice, uh, I needed really, like, lessons on, was a tongue switch. You know this technique? Yeah, playing either side of your mouth. Yeah, but Larry Adler didn't really do that. In that time, the person that was really doing that uh, professionally was Robert von Figlio. He, he wanted me to go to, to Manhattan to, to study with him. And I, I was quite interested in doing that. But I don't know, for some reason, my, my father didn't, didn't want me to go. I don't know, but I was really interested because I, I really wanted to study that that technique and learn that technique because I think that's, in a way, that, uh, that that's probably the future of the chromatic harmonica. Somebody that, that can really play that technique fluently and uh, improvise with it and do all kinds of intervals and, and things that are not so easy or, or almost impossible to do without that technique. Yeah, I think you would have to start doing it when you're age seven, Antonio. (laughs) (laughs) There's a perception about Larry Adler in some quarters, isn't it, that he wasn't a kind of pure musician, that he kind of busted it a little. I mean, looking at the things he achieved, you know, playing big concerts, you know, with big orchestras on one level and then playing, you know, he's, you know, in film store. I've read you know, his autobiography and a biography about him. And he was definitely a larger-than-life character, wasn't he? You know, very outspoken and, you know, made sure he got what he wanted out of life. So is that what he was like as a person as well? I think he was a very, a very, very serious musician. I don't know. I mean, I was very young when I met him, and I don't know if I I knew enough about music to, to really understand him. But when I hear his recordings nowadays... I think he was a very serious musician and the way he, he understood music. I mean, he could play the piano very well. He could compose. He knew a lot about harmony. He had a, an amazing ear and his sound was unique. What he can do on the on the chromatic harmonica, you know, sound-wise, expressively, it's just unbelievable. I mean, I've never heard anybody be... Uh, I think he's he's definitely the the biggest chromatic harmonica player of, of all times, and not only harmonica player, but but he was an amazing musician. I mean, he could he could get like very serious composers to write music for him. You know, that's uh, you need the respect of these people to get them to write music for you. You know, it's not just uh, that you're going to pay and they're going to write the music for you. You know, these people they they don't only work for money. You know, they they work when they when they really feel they admire somebody. And I think he was at the same level. This uh, Larry Adler was at the same level as the best musicians of his time. I think sometimes in the harmonica world, the harmonica players are not so aware of what's going on in the real world, you know, like in the musical world. And uh, some players, some people are, they are not so present 
in the harmonica world, but they are really doing something in the musical world. And for me, that's that's more important. For that, for example, I have a lot of respect for uh, Grégoire Marais, but you, you try to judge him by the people he plays with and the kind of situations he's involved in. I've had Gregoire on the podcast. Uh, as you say, he's played with some amazing people, including Herbie Hancock, and it doesn't get much better than that in the uh, in the jazz world. So absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's that's the that's the highest you can get in, in music. And I think Larry is something uh, like that. You know, or Toots Stillemans. I mean, Toots Stillemans. He he played with all the best jazz musicians of his era. You know, when when you really get into the musical world, I think that's when when you can consider yourself. I don't know, a musician. I think it's another another level. It's not only about playing the harmonica, no. It's about what can you do in the real in the real world. Do musicians accept you, respect you, or not? I think that's where we should want to go uh, as harmonica players. Uh, if we want the harmonica to be a big instrument. No, absolutely. You've done a great job there yourself. So I know uh, you play piano yourself as well. And so any other instruments you play, you know, and what's that feeling about, you know, the importance of being able to play other instruments as well, maybe particularly chordal ones where you can understand uh, harmony a bit better. And Yeah, I, I believe that it's necessary if you play a, a melodic instrument to play either the, the piano or the guitar to, to understand harmony. Yeah, not only harmony, but the way the music is spread where the bass should be, where where the, the melody should be, or what is in between. I always loved the piano, but when I when I met Larry and uh, and I saw that he was a very good piano player, I understood that that was very important. Then I I started listening to Stevie Wonder. I said, okay, this guy also plays the piano amazingly. And then I I started listening to Two Silemans, and I say, okay, this guy plays the guitar amazingly. So I mean, if you want to be good, it's not only about playing the harmonica. You have to play another instrument, like a yeah, like a harmonic instrument. I also heard Howard Levy and uh, yeah, found out that he played the piano also really good. So I've worked on my, on my piano because I, I think it's it's necessary if you want to play very very good. If you only know harmony in an abstract way, when you when you see a C a C major chord, you're gonna you're gonna think on C E G. You're gonna sit, think on those notes. That's what the theory says, no. Or if you say uh, C major seven, you're gonna you're gonna think on C E G B. You're going to think on that and you're going to play that because you're thinking on that. But if you, if you play a piano, or you play the guitar, then you're going to start understanding how to voice those chords. And, uh, and you're going to find out that you don't, you don't voice it like that. If you want to make it sound pretty, you might voice E, G, A, D, for example. That would be a nice uh, C major uh, sound. And when you start experimenting and, and knowing those inversions and those uh, different voicings, you're going to start playing those on the harmonica too. And they're going to sound beautiful. When you start playing chords on the guitar or on the piano, you get really deep into music, into understanding what's going on. And, and you understand that what's happening on the melody is just the top of, of, of a big thing you know, that, that's happening. And it's, it's good to understand what, what's happening underneath that. How to pass from one chord to another in a smooth way. That's so important. Not, not to see harmony just in a vertical way, but in a horizontal way. They call it voice leading. That's so, 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 so useful. Yeah, I think a, a challenge that a lot of people have, I think uh, obviously learning another instrument is really valuable, but it's just a, it's just the time, isn't it? You know, how much time do you spend playing the harmonica and then you've got to go and learn the piano as well, you know, and how do you, how do you balance that? I was lucky that I, I, I learned how to play the harmonica like very, very fast. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very difficult to have time to do, to do everything. I, I have problems too with this, you know. Not not about having time or not, because I, I I think I I have enough time. But it's it's also about managing your time, about practicing efficiently. This is so important. 
I really know how to practice efficiently on the harmonica. If I have half an hour, I'm going to do the best out of that half an hour. On other instruments, I don't have so much discipline or I don't have so much uh, knowledge of the learning process of the instrument. I don't know. I feel that when I when I practice the piano, when I play, when I practice other things, I waste my time a little bit more than when I when I practice the harmonica. You talk about having an efficient practice routine. I asked this question around: if you had ten minutes to practice, what would you spend that ten minutes on? So maybe for you, you know, what do you what do you focus on in your thirty minutes practice to uh, you know to be so efficient that you're practicing? Well, I try to uh, to focus on on whatever I have to learn to you know for the next gig or for the next concert or, or, or the project. I don't really have anything that I practice every day like a exercise a routine. I practice songs or or pieces or I work on things that I have to I want to play. Actually, if I if I only have fa- half an hour, I would definitely wouldn't spend it on playing scales and and arpeggios and, and stuff like that. I, I would I would try to play some some music. <laughs> So we'll move on a bit now to your uh, your musical career. Going back to, to your to your first album, you released in 1991, Antonio Serrano and his Romantic Harmonicas. Oh, what about that one? <laughs> I was like 17 years old, more or less. Yeah, I had a like a manager that was. I was living in Altea at that, that time here in in this town, and I had a, a Belgium Belgium uh, manager. Well, he was trying to help me, you know. My father was always looking for people to to help me in my in my career, no? and this was one of them. And he, well, he he had some contacts in the Netherlands. He made a a record deal with with Reco Studios to make a record. They gave me a lot of options. They sent me like fifty or sixty songs. Told me, I well, choose ten or twelve for a record. And uh, they they didn't re- uh, write the arrangements for me. I mean, uh, the Reco Studios is it's like a, a very very big company, and they've been making instrumental records for lots of years. You know, for saxophone players, for trumpet players, guitar players, all kind of instrumentalists. So they had a lot of arrangements already done and recorded. So I, uh, that was a record. I it was very easy to to record because I, I didn't have to. I, I just had to re- to learn the songs and, and just go there and play with with the playback. I, I, I don't think I've heard it after I recorded it. I, I remember the I, I recorded there uh, "Send of the Clown," "Sending the Clowns." I mean, the arrangements were were beautiful. It's a studio orchestras. I believe some of the arrangements were even uh, made for for two Stillemans for some recordings that he did for the Dutch radio. Yeah, but it was uh, it was it was a, a good experience for me. I mean, I, it was I think it was my first recording, at least professional recording. I, I made a made a record with my with my father and my my, my brother and sister. That we were very young. We we played just like. Oh, Susana, When the Saints Go Marching, and this, this kind of songs. But that was like a family recording, no? You recorded with various artists, mainly Spanish artists, yeah. So through the 90s, you did a couple more albums. But Mar- Mar- Mario Torres is one, and then Joshua mm-hmm. Elderman Trio. So you, you, you're playing with other people. And then um, you met up and, and played with Federico Lechner, and you've done a few albums with him. So you, you did this continuous session album in 2004 with him. Yeah, as you can see, most of my records, I'm not the the leader. Let's say, you know, like I share the leadership with another musician. Well, to be honest, you know, I I was never like very very ambitious to really make a, a solo career. I never really thought I was I was prepared to really in the front and do something. I I didn't really know what I wanted to do either. You know, I was just I liked music and I I, I enjoyed music. 
I, I always thought that I was in the process of, of learning and I, I still feel that way, you know. I still feel that there's so much to learn. This album with uh, Federico Lechner, some some great songs on there. So it's just I don't know if it's the first time you recorded it, but you play Sesame Street on there, which yeah. is uh, probably a, probably a tribute to Tooch, yeah, because he he played the Sesame Street theme tune on the TV show. So is that the first time you recorded Sesame Street? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So yeah, that, so that Sesame Street. Um, anything particularly about Toots, or is it just a song you'd heard on the TV show and picked it up from there? Well, that record, it's uh, it's all movie and TV music. <clears throat> we decided the the music, the repertoire between piano player and I. I don't remember exactly why we decided to play Sesame Street, but it's uh, well, it was a, a fun song to play. Before the recording, we already did some gigs and we, we had some concerts. And I, I remember that people used to enjoy it very much. You know, it was like a, a high point of this of the show. So I, I don't I don't remember if I really related it at that point with two syllabus. <laughs> I'm not sure about it. I mean, it's it's a melody that I I heard when I was a kid. You know, on the TV, and I, I knew there was a harmonica there, but I I think I I I didn't know that it was too. At, at, at that moment, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Actually, I don't know if, if he wrote the song or not. Because I, I heard Toots say once that that he had written that song, but that they did they didn't give him any rights for it because they said it was educational TV. Actually, the song sounds as if it was a a composition by by Toots. Because if you hear his compositions, they are all kind of bluesy. Yeah, they always move in this boogaloo kind of except. Uh, a few waltzes that he has, but but if you if you check his compositions, they they have this kind of feel. So I I, I really I, I believe that he probably even wrote the song, you know. <laughs> it certainly sounds great on the harmonica. So yeah, maybe maybe he did write it. And on that album, as you say, it's a movie themes. You do the song Love Theme, which is a which is a beautiful song, and you and you do this effect with your tongue, which I, I talked to you about when I met you in, in London that, uh, last year. A tremolo. Yeah, that's uh, an effect that I think it sounds beautiful on the on the harmonica, and uh, it's just like moving very fast the, the tongue from left to right. It's it's like a nervous kind of movement. I I, I never really practiced that. It's, it's just a, something that comes natural, you know, like people that can move the ears. I don't know <laughs> something something natural, but but it works. It, it works very good. I, I also use it nowadays to to play some guitar music spanish guitar music that they also use the tremolo technique with the fingers and it sounds it sounds pretty good on the harmonica so you a lot of the time you're playing obviously with spanish musicians mainly are you just um for people you know outside of spain uh, maybe not so familiar with that music you're quite big on the spanish music scene yeah I, yeah, I did my career mainly here in Spain. I traveled a lot with uh, Paco de Lucia, but this was touring with him, you know. I never moved anywhere, you know. I didn't move to any other European city, or I never moved to the States to try and meet other musicians. 
I feel comfortable here. I, I always had a I had fun playing. You know, they're pretty good musicians in, in Spain, and I, I had a, a good situation here. You know, so I, I think I, I always thought that if I if I move somewhere else, I, I kind of had to start from the bottom again. No, no, I think I think you've done the right thing, as you say. You've done, you're doing great in Spain. So I, I, you have quite a lot of TV appearances in Spain as well, don't you? So uh, are you uh, a reasonable celebrity in Spain? Do do uh, quite <laughs> know who you are? Well, I, I suppose like the music, the music people, you know, the people that are in music, they all know who I am. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's a lot of people that know me because I play with Paco de Lucia, which he was very, very famous. Yeah. I mean, I've been playing for so many years that, but they don't know my face. Like if I, I'm not, I'm not a celebrity, but if you start talking with somebody about music, somebody that likes music or whatever, eventually they, yeah, they've heard me somewhere, you know, or I've made a lot of recordings for pop artists here, you know, so. And you mentioned uh, Paco de Lucia there. So he's a flamenco guitar player, the, the sort of most famous Spanish flamenco guitar player, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was very, very famous. I mean, he, he did tours all, all around the world and he, he was very respected by all the musicians in the world. And he was he was very, very, very unique. I mean, because flamenco world is, is pretty local, you know? I mean, there's... But he was he was so big. He was so international. He had a, such a, a wide, you know, he was so, so open-minded that he could absorb other, other styles of music and incorporate them in, in flamenco he he was very 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 big compared to uh, all the all the other players of his time let's say you know this kind of put you into a uh, into the realms of playing flamenco and you became somewhat known as a flamenco harmonica player as well certainly adding that genre to your playing You know what about that playing flamenco? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I was. I was very lucky with that because that's probably, uh, let's say, one of my main contributions to the to the instrument, no? to to introduce harmonica in, in the flamenco world. But uh, yeah, it was it was something natural. I, I didn't really. I was in the in the musical scene in Spain, and little by little, the the flamenco community, the flamenco musicians, they started calling me to do to do different things, and I, I had to understand, uh, well, kind of learn a little bit uh, what was that music about. And uh, well, eventually Paco called me, and it was like, wow, man, I, I don't know so much about flamenco to to, to be here. I, I I didn't I didn't know so much about flamenco. I said maybe I don't deserve to be here. You know, I, I tried not to hang too much with the with the musicians just in case they, they they figured out that I didn't I didn't know anything about flamenco. <laughs> 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 but you know, little by little, I I got into it. Uh, it's 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 amazing. You know, it's a real culture. You know, it's it's, it's a big culture. It's a kind of music that it's it's like the blues or or like Cuban music, you know. That it's very connected to the way the people live. It's not just a an intellectual thing. It's not something that you go to school and you learn. It's something that is is really part of the of the gypsy culture, or not only gypsy, but also especially in the south of Spain, Andalusia. No, the the people live in a way that music is is an important part of the life. Like in Cuba, for example, no, everybody plays, everybody sings, everybody dances. Yeah, it was very, very, very important for me to to meet this culture. Not not only to learn how to play the music, but also to understand that that music has to be part of of the everyday life, not just a, a work or a profession or or an intellectual thing or an academic thing. You know, the real music, the important music, the music that really changes the world, is music that belongs to a culture that belongs to to the people. 
And then uh, in 2012, it was, is it your your second solo album, the Harmonious album? Which was which one was the first one? Well, uh, you you and your romantic harmonica. <laughs> oh, I don't consider that my album because I, I didn't really. I mean, I just chose the songs from a bunch of songs they they proposed. The album from the company. I think probably Harmonious is is my first solo exposure. Not like saying, "Well, this is what I am, right? This is what I have to say." And uh, I, I I'm happy that I eventually could do something like that. And I'm proud of it. I like it. I, I it's one of uh, it's one of the few records I, I made that I can hear without feeling any any kind of pain. You know, like because it's it's very honest. It's it's very it's all about things that I I like. I did it in a way that I wasn't even intending to make a record. I was I was more trying to build up a show. And the guy that was helping me with with the keyboards and with the loop pedals and that, he told me, hey, why don't we record it while you are uh, working on this? Because it sounds great. And maybe maybe now is the is the moment to to record it. And so it, it really came very naturally. And I was I was very very inspired by the fact that I was trying to to build a show in which I didn't need any other musicians. No, it was it was a challenge, a big challenge for me, and uh, I feel I I succeeded in, in this challenge, and I'm I'm happy with that recording. I think it's, it's yeah, I think that's what uh, represents pretty well what uh, what I am or what I was in that in that moment. Yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good mixture of genres on there as well, isn't there? You've got the uh, Estudios, which is a classical type of solo, some some Spanish theme ones, and then you've got a song I really love is Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Great mixture on there. And you also play uh, some diatonic on there. On the, is it on? Is it that one where you played Born Blind? And I also played that diatonic on East and West. I do kind of uh, Arabic kind of scales on the on the diatonic. Again, you know, you play different genres. We talked about you obviously playing um, flamenco just now, and you've done lots of session work with playing in pop songs in uh, lots of Spanish artists. Classical, you started out on, and in uh, 2019, you had the uh, the classical album with uh, Constanza player. So that's just you and a piano player, is it? Yeah, that's a, a record I, I wanted to do many years ago, and eventually I, I did last year. It's all classical, Spanish classical music and some Argentinian music, like Sopisola and uh, Carlos Guastavino. And it's music, some of the music it's uh, I learned recently, but a lot of it I already I had already played many years ago, but I never got the chance to record it. So that's another record I, I, I enjoy because I really started, you know, when I was when I was a kid, I, I, I started trying to do a classical career, let's say, you know, and uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't make it because it was just so, so complicated and so difficult to, to be accepted as a classical player 
on that time, you know, with the harmonica, you had to you had to play original stuff all the time. You couldn't play music written for other instruments. They were very strict on those days. No, so I ha I had some, you know, I I really wanted to to come back to to, to classical music because I really enjoy playing classical music and it's very relaxing for me to play classical music. I could just play, you know. I, I really have a a very very good time playing playing classical music. I'm working on a very interesting piece right now, or orchestral piece, also by by Manuel de Falla that uh, I'm going to premiere in November. I think it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be a nice arrangement for harmonica and orchestra. I think a lot of players will, will want to play in the future. It's a piece by Manuel de Falla, but I think it suits the harmonica like perfectly. It's called uh, the Three Cornered Hat, which is beautiful. Yeah, brilliant. So on that that setting as well, I think playing the chromatic with, on this album with um uh, with with Constanza, it, you know, playing with the piano. There's something about the chromatic with the piano, isn't there? They just go so well. Yeah, I always I always played with piano. I, I love it. I think the the harmonica works acoustically better with with a guitar. The thing is that the piano is is, is like an orchestra, you know. So it's it's so nice to be able to play with a piano because because you can do almost anything you want. And in 2020, you did the uh, the Tootsology album, which is a, a tribute to Toots, who sadly died, of course, in 2016. So there's a there's a duet of you playing with Toots on that, isn't it? You playing Autumn Leaves together. That's also another album that I really enjoy, <laughs> and it wasn't intended to be an album. You know, I, I didn't want to make a record of that because I was also trying to build up a show in which I I played some some of the Toots classics. And uh, and try to cover all his career, you know, from the beginning, from the forties until the the late, well, the twenty first century. He he. I mean, his career was so 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 big, so long that I, I really wanted to make a show where where I could show at least the parts of his career that I I really liked more. No, I I recorded a few tracks on a studio just just for promotion, just just to promote the the project. Because because when you when you make a band, when you make a project, you have to have something to show. Otherwise, uh, people don't book you. You know. So we we recorded a few tracks uh, on the studio, and then we just started uh, playing concerts. It wasn't intended that we, that we were going to record that concert, but we made a concert in the Terrassa Jazz Festival in, in Spain, and they recorded the concert in different tracks, you know, in separate tracks, and uh, they sent it to us, and they said, hey, listen to this. I think the concert is, sounds good. So I started listening to it, and, uh, and I said, wow, I mean, this concert really sounds like a, it could be a record. Maybe if we cut a few things, you know, it would take some... It, it didn't need to add... You didn't need to add anything to it you just had to take some a few songs and cut a few things and you can make a record so i started working on that and uh then i remember that i had actually played uh, with two silamans on that same festival many years ago so I, i i talked with the guys on the festival i said hey do you think you have this recording because i want to make a record you know with with the material i have of this concert and it would be amazing to to be able to to include the collaboration i did with toots so many years ago And they they found the the recording, so uh, I mean I, I'm so so happy I could include that there. 
it's a it's a nice moment. I mean, it's a special moment. I can feel there's a lot of uh, emotion and uh, of respect in the, in the recording. So I'm I'm really happy with the with the result. You know, so yeah, so moving on from the, the albums record, you've done lots of session work. Uh, you played with Chaka Khan on the I Feel For You, and, and uh, there's a YouTube clip I'll put on it. You're playing on the, on the stage with, uh, with Chaka Khan. That wasn't you who played on the original song, though, was it? Because that was quite a long time ago now, wasn't it? That was uh, Stevie Wonder. So, yeah, lots of different people. Uh, so, yeah, great career. Any particular favorites of people you played with? Well, I had a, a great time, and, and I think it was one of the, my deepest like musical experiences. L- last year, a few years ago, I played with uh, Peter Bernstein, a guitar player, a jazz guitar player from New York, and uh, Michael Cannon, uh, also a, a jazz pianist. And uh, I had a very, very nice, very uh, a good connection with them, and so I, I had a, a great experience doing this. So yeah, you've done uh, you've done soundtracks for films, and quite you've been on quite a few of the um, Spanish films, haven't you? On the soundtracks as well. So yeah, I played uh, Almodovar's Carne Tremula. I think yeah, I did with Almodovar and with a few others. And, and do you, you still do teaching now as well, don't you? So are you are you still actively teaching chromatic? Well, I, I don't teach very much. I have never teached a lot. I had a student, you know, like uh, a year and a half ago, a Chinese guy, you know, he just came, he, he came to me, he wanted to take some lessons and uh, he, he was, he played the guitar. He didn't know how to play harmonica at all. He wanted me to teach him. So I started teaching him and, and he was a very, very disciplined, you know, he was practicing every day and he was, he was getting good. So I, I continued like teaching him and then he went back to China. When he came back, uh, he stayed at my place for, for a few weeks and eventually he stayed there. I, I... And then we had the, the lockdown, and he stayed with me during the lockdown. So, so it was a, <laughs> he he was like my student, you know, but he actually was living with me. It, it was a very very interesting experience, you know, because I, I've never teached for 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 a long time to to the same person, and, and with this person, I I had a, a very very intense, let's say, a teaching experience, and it's been very 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 interesting, and uh, I really enjoyed it. The thing about teaching is that. It requires a lot of energy, a lot of time. I just don't have that that time because I like to play. I have to play. I have to do concerts. I have to travel. I mean, I don't have I don't have the time. I think you need to really teach properly, you know, because I I like to to take to take it really seriously, you know, to really understand uh, what what are the needs of of the person that you have in front of you. I don't I don't, I don't believe in that. There's a, a method or or a way to teach. Uh, everybody the same i think a teacher has to to try and understand what, what the other person is needing and you have to figure out how to explain what, what the other person needs in, in a way that he's going to understand it and he's going to assimilate the information you know so uh, it's i think it's difficult you really to teach properly it requires a lot of attention it's a big responsibility also because people you know when, when people go for lessons it's like when they go for to a psychologist you know they they want something desperately they want you know they want to learn music it's, it's important for them it's it's something music is something very passionate it's a big responsibility so i i, I don't want to do it just for money or just for when i do it i, I want to do it very very uh, seriously let's say you know so uh, are you encouraged to do more teaching now after your experience it's kang kang isn't it the guy that you were teaching yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and maybe you know works a bit quiet now <laughs> given the, the pandemic situation are you are you thinking about doing more teaching or i'd like to i don't know i don't know right now i'm i'm really busy you know with with this orchestral piece and uh, a few other projects that i have I don't know. Maybe in the future. In the future, uh, I just wrote a book. Actually, it's in Spanish yet. It's not in English. It's, it's to learn how to play the chromatic harmonica. Oh yeah. Well, I, I express my my point of view on the instrument. I suggest my way to understand the instrument. Hopefully, it will be in English soon. But I I I, I don't know when. I don't know when. <laughs> and um, this year, in in August, you took part in the uh, the, the online spa convention. And then you went on to win the Spa Harmonica Player of the Year award during that. So uh, how was that for an honor? Wow, that was exciting, man. I, I don't know. I don't receive so many prizes. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, especially because it's a prize given by professionals, you know, like by harmonica players. And I really appreciate it. You know, I, I feel very, very honored. Because my attention has always been more into, as I told you before, has been more into the music than into the harmonica. So to feel that the harmonica players appreciate what I do is well, it's great. I don't, I don't try to to play for the harmonica players. I, I try to play for the musicians, and sometimes you don't you don't connect with harmonica players because harmonica players want to hear some you know specific things. Especially, for example, in Asia, no? in, in Asia, there's a, a big passion for for the harmonica, but they are more interesting sometimes in in playing fast and, and playing very difficult things and very spectacular stuff that, that just to play a nice melody or or to be able to just to express yourself, you know, in an honest way on, on the instrument. Well, to feel the I don't know that the harmonica community looks at your work and and gives you a prize like this. I mean, it's it's great. It it feels that we are connecting. You know, we are we like I think the harmonica world is is looking more and more into the music and and the musicians are looking more and more into the harmonica. So that that's nice. And the harmonica eventually will be, will become a normal instrument, you know, like the saxophone or or the violin. <laughs> no, it's a great honor. It's good to get yourself on that list. So yeah, the, so you obviously you're a chromatic player, so you you play a little bit of diatonic, but you're you're a chromatic of choice. You you like the the Hohner two seventies, yeah, the uh, the traditional chromatic from Hohner. Yes, actually, I I got used to that instrument, and I've been playing it for more than twenty five years. I always say that the best instrument is the one that you know better. If we're talking about good instruments. I think all the all the chromatic harmonicas that are professional that we can consider professional instruments, they're all good. All the models are good, but the best for you is the one that you know better. And and this is the instrument I know better because I've been playing it for so long. I, I know what I can do, what I can't do. I know where where are the limits. I know how to play it, so I don't have to. Uh, I don't break the reeds. I know what kind of pressure I have to use to make certain sounds or certain bendings and uh, I love it I love it and also it gives me a lot of confidence to play that instrument the fact that most of uh, Larry Adler's and two Silliman's records and career were done on that instrument and those are the guys that I I looked at when I was when I was learning and when I was they were my idols no so it's a tested instrument you know it's a, it's an instrument that has demonstrated that it's capable of making great music it's great to see because obviously now there are more expensive chromatics available and so the 270 is uh, not cheap but it's it's one of the, you know it's on the cheaper end of the what you can pay for a chromatic now but to hear someone like you still yourself still playing great on on that model you know it shows doesn't it like you say it's the instrument is i don't know maybe the this new instruments in a hundred times we'll know if they if they if they were good or not i don't have so much time <laughs> to, to know you know so i i know that this instrument is capable because the records i like were were recorded on that instrument so that's why i use it mm-hmm. 
also when I was uh, when I was when I was a kid, I, I had my father that he took care of my instruments, and I was kind of trying all the new instruments and everything. But when my father passed away, I, I didn't have anybody to to take care, so I, I had to to decide what to do. I don't know. I started playing this instrument because, in part, because it was uh, also because it was cheap and I could afford it. And uh, I didn't. I didn't want to learn how to how to fix instruments because uh, that takes a lot of time, and I wanted to spend the time in other things. I think it's it's a very balanced instrument. The quality is amazing, and and the the price is is, is cheap. So are you playing the are you playing the deluxe model now or the standard model? No, the standard model. And do you have anyone customize them for you now? Well, I had a, recently a Portuguese guy. I sent him a few broken harmonicas and he he, he fixed them. And he did a, he did a nice work. Yeah, he did a nice a nice work on them. And he, he changed the spring tension and the, he tunes the reeds. He can he can even change some reeds. He puts uh, screws on the on the reed plates. He's a professional, you know. He knows how to do it. I'm not. Re- I'm not very interested in in the in, in the instrument itself. I, I have my an opinion about the instrument about the harmonica, and it's that I think the harmonica is is a, is a, one of the the closest instruments to the voice, to the human voice. So the less technology and the less material you include in an instrument, the better. Each mater- each new material that you put into the instrument, each new device that you put into the instrument, you are putting like a filter between the music and your voice. So what I like about this instrument is it's just like a it's a piece of wood and it's a piece of metal and that's it and that that's a harmonica. I mean when you start putting things into it 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 stops sounding like a harmonica and it starts sounding more like an accordion or like another instrument like a melodica or something like that. That's that's what I feel when I hear the new instruments, you know. I hear they don't they don't sound so so clear, so so bright. They they sound more like it's like it's not, it's not so close to 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 the human body, you know, to the voice. I believe you. You know, you mainly play the C chromatic, but you've started looking at playing some of the keys sometimes of chromatics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to to do this. Are you able to switch keys uh, without too much effort? You know, mental effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get used to it easily. But I didn't, use, I didn't do it for, uh, before because I was, I was trying to like, kind of force myself to to play in every key and be able to do everything in the C harmonic. But I think it's a, it's a little bit silly. Uh, it's not, it's not a, a good enough reason to, to not play other instruments because the register is different. I mean, if you play a, a G chromatic harmonica, you, you have more notes on the left. You have, you have more notes on the low register, which might be useful and, and, and beautiful to play. And also, if you want to play chords, well, you're very limited to the chords that are on the key of the harmonica. So, for example, if you're playing a classical piece in A major and and you want to do some some double stops and some chords and some stuff, it's it's better to get a, a harmonica in A. Why not? I mean, you're gonna it's gonna sound better probably. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you should you should be able to play your your chromatic harmonica in every key and you should uh, be able to to do everything in, in every key more or less. But for artistic reasons, I think sometimes it's better to to use the harmonica in the key of the piece i i'm not i don't i'm not prejudiced about that anymore i i think it's a it's a good option certainly guitar players use different tunings for example so so why not on the harmonica yeah, yeah. and uh, and i believe you're you're a pucker a puckerer yeah mainly mainly yeah yeah, yeah. Mm, apart from i don't i don't i don't play what they call uh tongue blocking all the time no yeah i i use this technique because i like to have my tongue free to do things to the sound yeah, and uh, and as to and what about amplification? Are you are you mainly playing through the PA to get a clean sound, or do you use any amplifiers at all? No, I don't use any amplifiers that I like particularly. I I normally play through the system. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if I'm playing in a, in a situation that I have a like drums, piano, bass stuff, I use a, a, a 58, a Shure SM58. Mm-hmm. And uh, through the system, yeah, like two cinemas used to do. That's that's the most efficient way, I think, to to play in a band in a band situation. And when I play with a, I don't know, when, if I play just classical music with a with a piano player or 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 in a, with an orchestra or something like that, then I, I I like to use other microphones, like condenser condenser microphones that are more sensitive, mm-hmm. and uh, you don't hold in your hand; they are at a distance. And what about for recording microphones? Have you any particular you like, or do you just leave that up to uh, the studio guy? It also depends on what kind of music you're you're recording. If it's pop, rock, you know, anything that has a lot of uh, a, a lot of sound behind, I think the best thing is uh, is the the, the fifty eight on your hand, uh, and then you put a little bit of reverb, and it sounds beautiful. That's the best option. If you want to do something more acoustic then you might go for for a newman or sennheiser you know that all these condenser microphones that they pick up not only the sound straight from the reed but they, they pick up all everything you know they pick up all the all the sound that's around the instrument also uh, what you're doing with your the air and picks up everything even if you're, if you're playing with another musician with a guitar player or a singer he, it's going to pick up that too yeah, brilliant. So thank you. So final question now. So about just about your future plans, I believe uh, we talked about um, your Chinese student. You've, you've been doing a project with him called East Meets, East Meets West. Yeah. So is that something that you are that you're looking to put out soon? Any, any other plans coming coming up? Well, we did a, we did a concert a few weeks ago in, in Valencia and uh, it was nice. We had a, we had a great time. Uh, we played with uh, Albert Sanz, which is a, an amazing piano player. And we played some some Chinese songs that I arranged for him. And uh, we also played some Brazilian uh, classics that he he really loved, like Desafinado, Chega de Saudade, all these songs, classic Brazilian songs. And he's just returned to China. So I don't know when uh, he intends to come back, like in February. So maybe when he comes back, we will continue doing something. I mean, it was more, it's not, this project is it's not like a band that I'm, I'm putting together. It's, it's more, well, a way to, to get him to have a, a real uh, musical experience you know i mean he's a student right and uh i think what uh, one of the most important things to become good as a musician is to is to have to play a lot of concerts to have the experience of playing for the public to play for, for the people that's what makes you strong so i i mean he's my student so i'm trying to help him and i think he has a lot of talent yeah i think it's it's good for him to to play with me that i have a, an experience and and i've been playing for for so many years you're a very good teacher, Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's it then. So um, that, that's all we've got time for today, Antonio. Thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Neil. Uh, it's been uh, very interesting to, to talk with you. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It wouldn't be the same without you. And thanks again for my sponsor, the Lone Wolf Blues Company, helping me keeping this thing going. They build great purpose-built equipment for the harmonica, so be sure to check them out. Thank you Antonio, play us a Rhapsody in Blue.